Salt has been a highly valuable commodity throughout the history of mankind. So revered that terms like worth their salt are used widely to describe a person's integrity. Yet today every newspaper, magazine, and blog seems to be telling us to do to avoid salt like the plague. With all the conflicting information, it's no wonder one of the most common questions I get asked by patients is, should I reduce my salt intake? It's now so ingrained in us to search for ways to reduce our salt intake that many people don't stop to question their efforts. Is salt really an evil adjective that increases the risk of high blood pressure and cardiovascular disease? Or is there more to the story? How much salt should I consume? Depending on which health group you talk to, everyone has a different target range for their ideal salt intake. The American Heart Association states you should aim for less than 1,500 milligrams daily to prevent high blood pressure and reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease. When you realize the average person consumes double to triple that amount, the equivalent of 2 to 3 teaspoons of salt per day, it seems logical that if we simply reduce our intake, we can improve our overall health. But where did these recommendations come from? In the 1980s, a major worldwide study on the connection between salt intake and blood pressure was conducted, and researchers found that cultures in which sodium intake was low had lower incidences of high blood pressure and cardiovascular disease. Animal studies confirmed that rats fed very high sodium diets rapidly developed high blood pressure, and subsequently, the war on salt began and hasn't stopped to this day. However, upon reviewing the latest research, it seems the question still remains unclear. The research does show that if you already have high blood pressure, you could benefit by lowering your sodium intake. But consider the Japanese, who consume the highest amount of salt, but also have the lowest incidences of cardiovascular disease. Japan also has the longest life expectancy of any population on Earth. Is salt really to blame for increased blood pressure and cardiovascular risk? If we look back to our Paleolithic ancestors for answers, we estimate the average sodium intake to be approximately 800 milligrams far less than today's daily consumption of 3,300 milligrams. However, our hunter-gatherer ancestors also consumed a very high amount of potassium, approximately 10,000 milligrams per day, via their abundant intake of lean meats, healthy fats, and veggies. This ratio of sodium to potassium is a crucial piece of the how much salt should I eat puzzle, and often overlooked when doctors tell patients to restrict their sodium intake. The Sodium-Potassium Balance it turns out that our salt consumption has been high since the Industrial Revolution and has not changed much over the last 200 years. However, what has changed dramatically is our intake of potassium. Fewer veggies and fruits leads to lower potassium intake, thereby tilting the sodium-potassium ratio in the wrong direction, toward hypertension, cardiovascular disease, and poor health. In 2015, a randomized control trial showed that potassium supplementation helped lower blood pressure 3.9 over 1.6 millimeters of mercury in hypertensive patients. Researchers are also seeing growing evidence supporting the notion that the sodium to potassium ratio is the superior metric showing strong associations with blood pressure and cardiovascular disease versus only addressing individual sodium or potassium levels. As fruits and vegetables are naturally high in potassium and low in sodium, a diet emphasizing more whole foods will boost potassium levels significantly and keep sodium levels in balance. If you are overweight and have high blood pressure, then restricting high sodium processed foods and increasing potassium rich veggies should be your top priority. But what about healthy folks who are active and eating clean? Advice for clean eaters. If you're eating cleanly, minimal processed foods, snack foods, and convenience foods, and are active or very active, then the rules of the game are different. 
In fact, chances are you are not getting enough salt. Intense exercise in the gym or training outdoors can lead to significant sweat loss and subsequently sodium loss. So if you aren't adding salt to your food, you'll likely be compromising your health and capacity to recover from exercise. Salt is crucial for increasing the absorption of water, preventing muscle cramping, supporting healthy nerve function, and the general health of all cells in your body. The risks of not consuming enough salt are significantly and rarely discussed. When we look at the latest research, we find that long-term salt restriction can actually increase your risk of heart attack or stroke, elevate triglyceride levels, and in those with blood sugar issues, actually worsen your insulin sensitivity. Based on the science, it seems we need to reframe the question away from salt intake toward sodium to potassium ratio. Salt intake and overtraining. If you're an avid crossfitter, runner, or exerciser, then chances are you're losing a lot of salt through sweat. If this persists for too long, you can develop symptoms of overtraining due to low sodium status. The problem is this is very difficult to see with traditional medical diagnostics as the blood levels of sodium will typically remain in the normal range despite the athlete experiencing symptoms of sleep disruption, low mood, increased thirst and urination, all common symptoms in overtrained athletes. Both high-intensity exercise and endurance training normally mean more sweat. If you enjoy regular wads or are training for a triathlon or marathon, then salt consumption is critical to recovery and muscular health. You should be adding salt liberally to all your meals, and if you experience symptoms of overtraining, add an additional electrolyte mix to help replenish sodium and electrolyte levels. If you train in warmer weather, this becomes even more important. Table salt versus sea salts. So what type of salt is best? Regular old table salt, sea salt, or the fancy salts from the Himalayan mountains? While table salt has iodine added to improve thyroid health, unfortunately it's also heavily processed, devoid of important trace minerals, and contains harmful anti-caking additives like sodium silico-aluminate. Sea salts or Himalayan pink salts naturally contain greater concentrations of essential trace minerals and are therefore your best bet to add to your diet. However, it's important to consider that neither sea salts nor Himalayan salts contain any iodine, which means you should include natural sources of iodine into your diet, for example, seaweed, kelp, etc. Health shops typically have convenient seaweed snack packs, and one or two seaweed chips per day is enough to get your dose. The Paleo Diet and Salt Intake By focusing on the sodium to potassium ratio, rather than simply salt intake, it reinforces the importance of eating plenty of vegetables and fruits in moderation in your diet. As a general rule, the cleaner you eat, the greater amount of salt you can add to your meals. Similarly, the more active you are, the more liberal you can be with your salt consumption. And remember, too little salt is dangerous for everyone. If you eat a full diet of convenience foods, then you may be pushing the upper limit of salt intake. Most processed and canned foods use salt as a preservative. Restaurants also salt liberally in their cooking to add flavor. All right, Paleo Hackers, you just heard him read his article, Salt, Evil or Essential for Health. Back with me this week, Dr. Mark Bubbs. Mark, my man, thanks for coming on. No problem, Clark. How you doing? Good, man. Good. So salt's a kind of, I don't know, not, not tricky one, but it seems, again, like other things we've talked about, to get some bad press. I mean, it's been demonized to death. You know, people are talking about blood pressure raises, salt gives you cancer. I mean, there's low libido. I've heard everything been linked to salt. Yeah. Um, and so kind of, uh, I guess, talk about salt. What is it and why has it been beaten to death? Yeah, it's sort of been like the boogeyman next to saturated fats and cholesterol there. But, um, you know, salt's essential for, for your function. If you didn't have salt and sodium and potassium, the other electrolyte they sort of cross over the cell 
um, back and forth it, and that that produces the energy that gives all your cells uh, life. So I mean, this idea that we need to have low sodium is is is, is pretty misplaced. And I think that's another great reason why this kind of paleo approach or uh, ancestral approach to eating is great because it gets us back to this idea that's really about this potassium to sodium ratio that we we want to restore. Hmm. Okay, so it's more about uh, a, a ratio like like most things. I know if you boost one, it can throw off the other. Like uh, if you boost your magnesium, it can throw off your uh, is it copper or so or something like that or yeah, um, zinc and copper for sure. You yeah, zinc copper things, omega threes and uh, omega sixes, uh, saturated fats, the whole works. So this is where you know vegetables and fruits are loaded with potassium. The traditional thing, if somebody comes into their doc's office and they've got high blood pressure, would be to tell the client to lower their salt intake. Now, you know, if a person's eating a lot of processed foods, sure, salt's the main preservative. So that's one of the reasons why they're getting too much salt in the first place. So you do want to take away the processed foods. Um, but the biggest thing then, once you've taken the processed foods away and that really excessive salt intake, is to just bump up the actual uh, vegetable intake. That's mm-hmm. where people tend to be really low. And the amazing thing is, I mean, paleo diets always – in the media, you tend to hear people talking about all the meat consumption with the paleo diet, but what they fail to say is that people who follow a paleo diet tend to eat far and away more vegetables than any other diet. Yeah, and so, okay, salt balance then. Instead of maybe taking away the, sodi- uh, the sodium, you can bump up the potassium. So some things that have potassium in them being green leafy vegetables. Um, uh, what, what are some other ways they can get potassium in their diet? And I mean the biggest – sorry, just to backtrack. The biggest key is to always remember who we're talking about because there's two distinct pictures here. And one of them is kind of the person who's a bit overweight and out of shape um, and unhealthy. And the other is the athlete because there's two drastic differences in the needs there. And for the person who's just trying to improve their health there, yeah, definitely get rid of the processed stuff. Um, and then all vegetables and all fruits have a nice balance of potassium to sodium. So you really just want to make sure you're eating lots of whole foods. Um, because the problem can come if people start really reducing their salt intake, and you even see this in, in, in older patients and elderly, is that if sodium falls too low, then we can get into some real problems in terms of um, you know, lightheadedness, fatigue, even things as far as uh, seizures and coma. So it's, uh, it's a pretty significant, uh, significant issue. Let's talk about the quality. I know that matters. I mean, that's night and day when you're talking about salt. Like you said, with processed things, um, definitely terrible salt. But I know some mineral salts or sea salts can be very beneficial. So talk about the difference in in quality with salt. For sure. And that's where, I mean, especially in terms of the athletic person, just to finish off on that point there, the athletic person definitely needs salt and they need to add more salt. Um, (laughs) The sea salts are great because they have all the minerals there. Um, very healthy for you. That's the one that even the average person can definitely add on a little bit to their food as well. Um, but that's the one that we're trying to, to, to shoot for, whether it's the sea salt, the Himalayan salt. Um, but the big key is that those salts don't have any iodine. So this is where regular table salt is iodized. So even, even having regular table salt um, is fine as well, especially for the athletes. Um, if you're looking for the natural sources of that iodine, if you don't want to do the table salt because it does have some some processed agents in there, then that's when you want to have you know just a bit of sea vegetables or you know they often have like the little kelp chips or something like that that you yeah. get and that would give you your daily dose there with a couple of chips. I know with the difference between like a uh, table salt with the umbrella that's been bleached and processed and you know whatever versus like a good organic can't really have organic can you but a good quality um, sea salt is again, night and day is, is drastically different. I mean, we're talking, um, I think I was talking to a guy on the show who owned a sea salt company and he was saying that the processed salt has like three minerals in it versus the, 
uh, sea salts can have up to 83. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah, and it's like it's a bit like even the sugar question of I mean, when you have natural sugars and raw cane sugars, you have all these trace minerals um, that are in there that are beneficial for you. And salt's no different, so that's why it's it's tremendously healthy for you to be adding some salts onto the food. You just got to watch if you're overweight or out of shape or if you're eating a lot of processed food and you can't be too excessive with it. You've got to definitely first get rid of those processed foods. But for our athletes and people training hard out there, I mean, when you sweat, you lose salt and adding it back in is, is really critical. I mean, hyponatremia is a, is a severe loss of sodium in the bloodstream and, and virtually every year, um, there's one or two, especially in endurance athletes, that we see deaths in, in marathons or Ironmans and things like that because of excessive consumption of water, which leads to loss of sodium. So, I mean, it's a, mm. you get, the, the more elite athlete you are, I mean, it's a serious issue. And you definitely want to be – the cleaner you eat, the more salt you have. Um, so let's touch on that then. Uh, let's still talk about the elite athlete or someone who's very active. Again, this is not the person, the first type we were talking about, who's overweight and has a bunch of issues. Let's talk to the athletes real quick with like hypernutremia and, and training. One thing I used to do uh, back, you know, when I was a bit bigger and doing bodybuilding, really into it. Um, I'd get cramps and like leg cramping on leg days or something. And I heard a tip from like an old school gold's gym style bodybuilder. He he would go to like the McDonald's and take those little tiny salt packets that you have to fiddle with and rip open and they spray everywhere. He'd take one of those, put it under his tongue and absorb it when he got a cramp. And so I started doing that. And I mean, it was magic within five minutes, all my cramps would be going away. Yeah, and that, that'll definitely let you know that your salt intake, you know, probably at that time just wasn't up to scratch. The more you're sweating, the more salt you're losing. That's a classic one for people who are running. If they actually nail that salt packet when they're really cramping up, it will almost instantly get rid of the cramp uh, for most people. Um, and that's a keynote. If you, if you notice that, if, you're, if the muscles are cramping up, then you definitely have to get that salt intake up. Um, and different people, I mean, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's very individual with how much salt you're losing when you sweat. Yeah. Um, doesn't necessarily mean you lose more salt if you sweat more excessively. It's uh, dependent on a few other things. Yeah. Okay. And so um, I know even some athletes go as far to like add salt to their water, like a pinch of sea salt in their water. I've heard like Paul Check talk about that. Um, what, do, what do you think on that? Is that too excessive? No, I mean, that's a, if you're athletic, you want to be doing that. I mean, that's ex- effectively what's one of, the, one of the reasons why you're absorbing the water in terms of a sport drink is from the, the salts that are in there. If you just drink distilled water, um, you're not going to absorb as much of that water and you may not even absorb much at all uh, if you're excessively consuming sort of a distilled water or a regular type water. Um, and that's when you may start to notice that you're peeing a lot and the, and the urine is actually quite clear. Yeah. It's not completely clear. I pee all the time. I don't know if it's just the <laughs> coffee, but I'm, I mean, I'm talking like every hour, every two hours. I mean, which can be normal, but sometimes I definitely notice like I just drink water all day. Yeah. I mean, coffee's a diuretic and alcohol is too, so that's going to make you urinate more. But if you feel like you're going to the if you're urinating all day, then you definitely want to add a bit of salt into that. And the okay. other thing is the notion even that we should be drinking water, a certain amount of water every day. I mean, there's a big debate obviously going on between the drink to thirst group who thinks you just drink when you're thirsty versus the group that's saying, oh, you need this much water, just drink it no matter what. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what about you and your personal life? Do you add a pinch of sea salt to your waters? Yeah, I definitely add some salt to my water. Um, you know, with training and stuff, I'm, I'm adding salt liberally to my food. Um, cause I eat, you know, following a paleo type diet, eating lots of vegetables, keeping that potassium to sodium ratio in balance. It's, it's not an issue and people will just notice. I mean, it's one of the things that we try to add into people who are run down. So on that stress component, uh, people who are run down that ties into even that thyroid component, which we talked about previously, you know, salt's a key, key part there. So people need to be getting that in. And again, it's kind of often the, the um, 
you know, sort of the, the culprit there, the boogeyman for, for a lot of docs, but it's not, it's not the salt that's the problem. It's, it's other factors. So we got to get those essential nutrients in. And again, we're talking about good quality salt and for sure. not, not the table salt that you buy at a conventional store. Definitely good quality salt. I'd say in a pinch though, the elite athlete, if they're struggling with cramps, I'll take any salt, but okay. in a best practice, exactly what you said, best practice, we definitely want to have the one the sea salt, the Himalayan salts, those salts that have all those minerals in them are absolutely the the home run. I got, I got an angry email once because on the calls, um, you know, I've been doing this for two years and I think it was probably a year or two ago, someone sent me an email because they're like, Clark, you're an idiot. There's no such thing as Himalayan sea salt. And I thought about it. I was like, yeah, they're right. Like I've, I've been calling it Himalayan pink sea salt. You know what yeah. I mean? But those, it's, it's a common one. I might have even done that too. But yeah, it's just, yeah. It's, it's, it's just rock salt. So. Yeah. And is that your favorite kind to use, Himalayan salt? There's a lot of different kinds. I think it's a bit like, uh, you know, dark chocolate and microbreweries now. I mean, there's all these different types of salt coming out, like from the, in France and Provence and all sorts of places in the Andes and stuff. So, I mean, any type of naturally occurring salt is, is you know, is going to be a great one. So, most of the time, if you go to a health food shop, things like that, you'll be getting, you know, your good, good sources. But Himalayan's definitely up there. And this is this is something that's cheap, you know. People can do. I mean, I bought a five-pound bag of salt that lasted me a whole year for like ten dollars online. Exactly. I mean, for the amount of stuff that people pay a lot of money for various yeah. supplements that may or may not help them. I mean, some of these things that are real definitely help you that are inexpensive. I mean, well, let's do it for sure. Is this in your book at all? We talk about this, um, the stress side of things, and the um, and how that impacts with salt. So we definitely touch on. Uh, uh, and the importance of getting that in. Okay, and and your book. Um, tell our listeners real quick about it. So my new book, the uh, the Paleo Project, came out in March. Uh, it's available um, on Amazon and all the outlets there. PaleoProjectBook.com. And check out the website. Um, yeah, it's been it's been going well. Cool. And DrBubs.com, correct? DrBubs.com is the website, and at DrBubs on Twitter. Great man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot.